Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Carrie Gino brings us into 2024 with his New Year message. And now, here's Carrie. Thank you, Gary, and the rest of you. That was our sermon for today. Now you're stuck with me for the next 20 minutes or so. Okay, there's a tradition our daughter Caroline and myself at this time of the year have. Every New Year's Eve, I text her with this message. Happy New Year's Eve. And she always texts back, Happy New Year's, Adam. So, so since Caroline is joining us on Zoom from New Brunswick, Perhaps we can all respond as she does when I say to you, Happy New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Adam. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Second Corinthians five, fourteen to seventeen. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Second Philippians five fourteen to seventeen. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. For them, sorry, and therefore I lost my place. He died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died. I'm reading the wrong one, ain't I? I'm sorry. Okay, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we stand before the beginning of a new year, we confess our need for your presence and your guidance as we face the future. We each have our hopes and expectations for the year ahead, but you alone know what it holds for us, and only you can give us the strength and the wisdom that we will need to meet its challenges. So help us to humbly put our hands in your hand and to trust you and to seek your will for our lives during this coming year. And also, our Father, we thank you for the promise and hope of this new year, and we look forward to it with expectation and faith. 
This we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, who by his death and resurrection has given us hope both, both for this world and for the world to come. Amen. Tomorrow is New Year's Day. I don't know how many of you know this, but there's a reason I stopped going to New Year's Eve parties. Because I just wish that people would stop looking at me when they say, out with the old. There was a posting on Facebook recently, and it goes like this. As the year comes to an end, I urge you to take care of yourself and avoid accidents because spare parts for old models like you and I are no longer in stock. So this morning I would like to talk about guilt, anxiety, thanksgiving, and gratitude. When we say Happy New Year, what are we saying to someone? We're saying that we hope this year will be better than the year before. We verbally give them a blessing that their problems are behind them and blessings are in their future. Every year, people stay up later than usual to see the old year go out and the new year come in. Mm -hmm. Truth is, each one of us has a hope and some kind of expectation that the new one will be better. An optimist stays up till midnight to see the new year in. A pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. I think every one of us needs to take time to evaluate the old year going out and the new year coming in. Perhaps we should ask ourselves these questions. What do we want to see happen in 2024? And what things need to change in 2024? Every year offers us a chance at a new beginning and offers us new hope. Many people look forward to a new year and a new start, but they carry the same old habits, hang-ups, and hang-ups with them. I quit this. I'll start this. I would say this. Resolutions that most of the time are not even kept for the first month. A little boy asked his father what his New Year's resolution was. The father answered that he was going to do everything possible in this new year to make his son's mother very happy. The little boy then asked his mother the same question, and she said to do everything possible to make sure your father keeps his resolution. <laughs> Our attitude determines what kind of year we will have. The outcome will be determined by whether we are doing things in our own strength or the unlimited power and strength of the Lord? Will we strive to trust God to help us in all circumstances? God promises to allow us to know his will for our life as we seek God and listen to what he has to say for us and what he has for us. Or will we be worrying about everything, saturating our mind with negative thoughts, having anxiety attacks, or will we be trusting the Lord for the things that we cannot change and willing to turn the results over to God so that his will be done in our life? 
What if we really lived as though our sins and our failures were gone in the mind of God? What if we really lived as though every person around us was a result of God's will and creation and that they were made in the likeness of God? What if we really saw the glory of God everywhere and the image of God in every person? What if the very sight of a tree or a cloud inspired us to worship and we lived in deep gratitude and thanksgiving? In life, there is good news and there's bad news. Here's some good news and bad news for those of us that preach. Good news. You baptized four people down at the river last Sunday. The bad news is you lost two others in the river's current. Aha. No, okay. <laughs> the good news is that church attendance rose dramatically the last three weeks. The bad news is you were on vacation. Now the real good news about hope. Hope is connected to our God. Romans 15:13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope Hope is connected to our faith Hebrews 11:1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen Hope is connected to our resurrection Acts 23:6 now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is, with, it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Hope is connected to our sharing faith. 1 Peter 3.15 In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And should another pandemic happen, or for some reason we're unable to meet as a church, let us remember that while we can't meet as a church, we can be the church. Some of you used like this. There's a peanut cartoon where Lucy and Linus are sitting in front of a television set. When Lucy said to Linus, get me a glass of water. Linus looked surprised. Why should I do anything for you? You never do anything for me. On your 75th birthday, Lucy promised, I'll make you a cake. Linus got up, headed to the kitchen and said, Life is more pleasant when you have something to look forward to. We can place hope in many things. The future, careers, material wealth, family, our country, political leaders, health, or God. Like Linus, placing hope anywhere other than God may disappoint. Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, our Savior, 
so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. With all the turmoil, wars, and hatred in this world, perhaps the greatest hope we have in the world, for this world, is like the song says. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. John 3, 16-17 God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Some manuscripts take the first part of this verse, God so loved the world, and decree it as, for this is how God loved the world. And when we get closer to the literal Greek wording of this verse, it gets even better. We could read it as, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and unique Son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Either way we read it, this Bible verse may be the most important verse of all, for it displays such a sacrificial love a life-giving love, which is unequaled and unmatched in all the world. Now, I want you to be honest. Have you ever heard someone say, you say you love me, but your actions don't show it? Love is a verb, and it's what we do. And this act at Calvary was the most supreme act of love that has ever been displayed that Christ died for us while we were still his enemies and most unworthy sinners. It shows that love is an act of the will and not just a feeling of the heart. Matthew 5, 43-45 You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's natural to love our family and friends, but to love those who hate us and persecute us? Wow. God loved us even before we existed. Ephesians chapter 1. And he died for us while we were still sinners, and still enemies. Anytime Jesus says, you have heard it said, he is probably referring to the Old Testament laws. And so when Jesus follows up by saying, what I say to you, he is referring to the New and the Better Testament. Loving your enemies is a difficult one indeed, and it can't be done in human strength, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit. In this reference in Matthew, Jesus says that God is gracious even to those who are non-believers, sending sunshine and rain on them, which are essential for life. The analogy might be that God even gives the non-believers good things 
in life because he's a benevolent God. We can accumulate a vast treasure of God's infinite love for those who Christ died for and even for those who are outside of the faith. Because there is no greater love, there is no love more sacrificial, and there is no love that dies in your or my place than that of Jesus Christ who died for us while we were still sinners and his enemies. Tony Campolo, in his book, Why I Left, Why I Stayed, writes, I found that there are two conditions that prevent me from experiencing this life as my theology dictates. The first is guilt, and the second is anxiety. Guilt keeps me orientated in the past. It it focuses my attention on the things I should have done and the things I should not have done. Guilt is a burden that saps my energy, dissipates my enthusiasm for life, and destroys my appetite for savoring the fullness of each moment. Anxiety, on the other hand, orients me to the future and keeps me from enjoying life In the present, caught between guilt over the past and anxiety over the future, I have nothing left with which to address the present moment in which I find myself. When I meet people, they are sometimes left with the feeling that I am absent, that I am not really there. Despite my physical appearance, presence, I am really somewhere else in time and space. That's why I need Jesus. The gospel is the good news. That Jesus delivers me from my guilt of the past and I need no longer, and the past need no longer torture me. I'm not simply referring to the biblical fact that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and so I need not fear that my sinful past will catch up with me. More important, that Jesus declared in Scripture is one whom I mystically encounter, who invades my personhood, and who provides an inner deliverance. My sin is forgiven and forgotten, buried in the deepest sea, and remembered no more. Any who read the testimonies of Christian converts will discover over and over again references to the wonderful freedom from guilt that accompanies a new life in Christ. But there is further good news declared in the proclamation of the gospel. Jesus not only delivers me from the effects of yesterday's sin, but also delivers me from the anxiety that makes me reluctant to face the future. The old cliche suddenly becomes meaningful as I recognize that I do not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. To be saved is to have a relationship with Jesus that frees me from guilt and anxiety so that I can live each moment with the eternalized quality that Scripture promises to the sons and daughters of God. This is what it means to be born again into everlasting life. A little boy is visiting his grandparents and given his first slingshot. 
He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to Grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck. On an impulse, he took aim, and he let it fly. The stone hit, and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the duck in the woodpile, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. And Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it. He confessed to Grandma that he had killed the duck. I know, Johnny, she said, giving him a hug. I saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. And then there's anxiety. A man named Jack was driving on a dark country road one night when he got a flat tire. He saw a cabin in the woods and he began to walk towards it. He told himself that the person who answered the door would be angry and irritated for the interruption. In fact, the person would probably harm him. He was probably truly a terrible person. Who else would live out in the woods, away from people? Jack convinced himself that the person who lived in the cabin was a menace to society. So when the door opened, Jack punched the man in the nose and ran away. We take situations and we replay them in our minds. We have conversations in our heads with people. And we build a case against them, though we don't really know what they're thinking. We tend to nurse, curse, and rehearse stories like Jack's. Many years ago, a commercial on television began with a black and white clip of Lou Gehrig being honored by Yankee fans on his last day of play. His career was shortened by ALS, which is now called Lou Gehrig disease. It's a debilitating muscle disease that eventually stops the heart. So what would you have said in the face of this heartbreaking challenge? Amazingly, he begins, Today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. How could he say that? Gratitude. Gratitude for all the gifts he had been given, for all the love he had been shown by fans, and for all the opportunities he had. He focused on the joys not the losses. And that's cultivating thankfulness. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Colossians 3.15 Being thankful doesn't come easy for some of us, but God says to cultivate thankfulness. 
So how do we cultivate anything? We work at it. We nourish it. We do whatever it takes to make it thrive. Gratitude comes from humility. Henry Ward Beecher said, A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. God is good and merciful. The price that Christ paid so that we could be redeemed is immense. His grace is so amazing. We truly are the luckiest people on the face of the earth. Let me rephrase this. We truly are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4.6 And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Colossians 3.15 And whatever you do, whether you do Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17 Psalm 96 So in 2024, let us remember to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the God, but the God made the heavens. Our God made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families and nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world, <clears throat> excuse me, the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. <clears throat> in Revelation 22, verse 7, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. In verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift 
of the water of life. Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And all of God's people say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This time I'd like to invite the praise team to come up and close in song. And either uh, Derry or Ryan close in prayer. Uh, And as they make their way up, I'll leave you with these words for the new year. A new year is God's gift. In the joyful moments, thank Him. In the busy moments, bless Him. In the trying moments, trust Him. And in the quiet moments, praise Him. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this time that we can spend this morning in Your presence, just considering um, a new beginnings. And as we celebrate this season, uh, may we be reminded that uh, newness of life is in You. And uh, as we consider the past, maybe you learn from our past experiences. Maybe be content uh, in the present as we do your work, as we anticipate your return. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.